Oh, yeah. Who's ready for some Halloween Bruin theology? This is raw and uncut. You're going to be hearing this on Halloween Eve or Halloween. This is not going to Dan. So, Dan, if you listen to this outside of actually editing our podcast, you are free. The world knows that you had nothing to do with this podcast tonight. So whatever we say, um, yeah, or whatever's played, we could be playing some fun songs all night. This is for Halloween. This is for the goodness of Sawan. How do you say it? Sawan. Sawan. We were just making fun of that earlier. Like, how do you pronounce that? Sawan. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I'm here uh, with with friends. We're going to introduce ourselves briefly. Do our our basic spiritual background, religious uh, heritage, where we are today, and favorite Halloween costume. costume. Janelle may want to talk about candy, and that's okay as well. So you guys know I grew up Southern Baptist Evangelical, so Halloween and I will get to that later. I deconstructed a lot of that throughout the years. I love the Anabaptist heritage of my tradition. I like to keep dunking. I think dunking people in the water is good, the whole body, the head, everything. You know, keep, keep, you on, keep, one on, hair ba- in keep it. on baptizing. Doesn't count. <laughs> but then when I moved to the Methodist tradition, I got in touch with my Wesleyan uh, side, so I will say I'm a little bit of a United Methodist to a degree. Social liberation stuff there for sure. The Jewish parts of Jesus, and then the mystical Pentecostal side of things. So, I'm an open tent, Anabaptist, Methodical, Jesus guy that likes process and liberation theology. And my favorite costume was two years ago. Some of you have seen it; it's online. And I was King Triton, and my <laughs> oldest daughter was Ariel. And Anna, the youngest, was just born. She was a mermaid. My wife was a mermaid. We were all mermaids. This year, we're gonna be unicorns. Mm. And there's that. This is Janelle. Uh, I was born and raised in the Church of the Nazarene and didn't do a lot with Halloween. Um, I am now happy with the happy, happy ish with the label Progressive Christian. Um, if anyone out there listening is going to the Parliament of the World's Religions, Brew Theology will be there, so come find me. And um, favorite costume I was Princess Leia at some point. Along the way, that's all you need mm. to be. Now, which Princess Leia? I was the young Princess Leia with natural hair buns. Okay, mm. this is Diana. I uh, grew up Jodo Shinshu Buddhist, and I'm currently a minister in that tradition, so I haven't changed a thing. Um, and... Right. <laughs> nothing. I've changed nothing. <laughs> Shut up, Jeff. Anyway. <laughs> uh, favorite Halloween costume? Let's see. Uh, well, there are a couple of them that I liked, but I guess the one that stands out most recently, a couple of years ago, we went to uh, Boo at the Zoo and did like the big elaborate Day of the Dead skull makeup. And it was so upsetting to the monkeys at the zoo that I could not stay in the monkey house at all because they started jumping up and down and like hollering. So I'm visualizing monkeys and so are you. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yeah. So that was probably the best just for that reason because mm-hmm. monkeys lost their shit. It was amazing. It's awesome. <laughs> Did they throw it? <laughs> Surprisingly, no. Oh, no. <laughs> A little bit of a letdown of a day if I can see <laughs> monkeys throwing their shit at the zoo. 
So I'm Christina. Um, I grew up in a conservative, um, independent, fundamental Baptist household um, that continued on to my educational years where I went to a Baptist school that was associated with the Baptist church. Um, Now I'm more of a non-denominational slash monotheist pluralist. So everyone looks at me like, Um, so basically everyone sees a different side of you, whether it's your coworkers, your family, your significant other, your dog, the people walking down the street. And so since God reveals himself differently to everyone, why can't he be the same person and he just reveals himself, you know, differently to Christians than to Buddhists, to the Pastafarians and the flying spaghetti monster people, you know? So that's where I'm kind of leaning at the moment. You said Pastafarians. Pastafarians. That's what they're called. Pastafarians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flying spaghetti monsters. They're gone. And then um, my f- my favorite costume was actually this year because I got to be the doctor. Yes, for all you... Yeah, for all you geeks out there, I was... In the new trench coat. Yes. And the shirt. And the, the screwdriver. It was awesome. Yes. And the suspenders. She looked amazing. Yes. I was Jodie Whittaker. Minus the blonde hair, but no now, loss. Now, well, now, now no I, I know, how, to know that. how y'all think and feel. They would I have all thought Jody Whitaker was here <laughs> yeah. at the table. Like, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Every now and then I see Nate Nacow from Jersey. Shout out to Jersey Brew Theology. He's in, in Janelle, and you're posting things on this Who, Dr. Who. Is this, <laughs> I don't know who this person is. It's not Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> I said <It's> Who. <laughs> I don't know who this is. That's the point. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. TARDIS, we need you. All right. Well, I'm Jeff. Um, I was uh, raised fundamental Baptist. Um, and uh, around about high school, um, started to notice a lot of the tribalism and uh, separating um, happening in the in the church uh, that I grew up in, and um, that just kind of, you know, made me start questioning things. So I um, have certainly moved to a much more progressive place. Um, I do consider myself a follower of Jesus, um, and definitely a extremely progressive Christian. Um, although sometimes I don't like to use the term Christian in our current cultural context um and uh in the same way that ryan dabbles in process theology i would say i dabble in uh universalist theology um and uh favorite costume was uh um honestly i can't remember any of the costumes that i've worn except for this year uh i i um this year found a great um outfit that basically transformed um jeff into uh duff man um <laughs> duff man from the simpsons um duff man costume is pretty far up toward the top and it's a pretty great costume i saw the sneak preview yeah okay so we have ground rules i know want wah on halloween Throw them out the window. No, 
Now, just for those who have never heard us before, uh, this is what keeps our communities across the board, I think, sane, on track, making sure that nobody says anything uh, that they shouldn't say. And if they do say it, we have moderators to keep people, again, back on track. So no soapboxes. Nobody gets the, the last word. Be passionate, please, but there's that fine line. Uh, please respect all others and their viewpoints. Extend courtesy by listening well, and then everything's up for discussion. Lastly, we say don't be a jerk. There are other words you can use in place of that. And then tonight, I'm just going to say have fun. Woo-woo. This is our great soundtrack tonight. You gonna call Duff Man? <laughs> All right, who's ready? Duff Man approves. You got, you got <laughs> uh, so I gotta give a shout out to Christina for writing this content, and I can't stop Ghostbusters right now. <laughs> Please don't ding us. Please there don't. We go. There we go. <laughs> Christina, she wrote the content. And there's a, there are a lot of words in here, by the way. Th- last two weeks, we're going, I don't know how to pronounce that and what that means. So we Googled lots of things, which is good. So there's a lot of good uh, research here. Everything from Halloween to All Saints Day and Dia de los Muertos. Uh, it'd be kind of fun to hear about your traditions. I know, Christina, you briefly talked about yours. Did you celebrate it? Was there something devilish to it? Were you was your tradition free and allowing you to do whatever you wanted? Did they care? Were they indifferent? Well, I grew up in the eighties, and uh, in the eighties, there was certainly a um, a cultural thing of having um, a lot of focus on Satan worship. Um, you know, uh, it was the era of. Um, if you play this record backwards at a certain speed, you'll hear messages of uh, hailing Satan. I don't know. Stop. <laughs> okay. Um, that all sort of led um, to a you know a pretty conservative backlash within the church. My parents wouldn't let me go watch E.T. when it came out because they thought E.T. was a demon. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it was that bad. Um, and um, so I, I definitely grew up in that tradition. I grew up in that tradition that, you know, you couldn't wear a costume unless the costume was um, was a biblical character or uh, you know, we didn't go Halloween trick-or-treating. We went to church fall festivals, quote-unquote. Um, those commandments would be heavy. <laughs> you got to get your little trick-or-treat sack and carry those commandments. Like, no, no one's Moses. Yeah. And if you're the Virgin Mary, you got to carry another load there. What do you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was... Sorry, uh... Mary. Wow. <laughs> Jesus is loved. <laughs> I'm sure. Eight, hey, 8.6 sounds, baby Jesus. All right, Jeff, keep going. Bit no, that's all. That's it. I just, I'm sorry, I grew now, up in okay, that. Okay. Yeah. Now we have to do difficult Bible costumes. You've started it. So oh, the three kings would be rough, especially the gold guy, because oh, yeah. that would be heavy. Mm-hmm. And you have to ride a camel. Mm-hmm. So two really complicated things. Right. Yeah. What else? Samson would be badass. Ooh. 
I think uh, you just Jesus work up for a year, and then you can yeah. say, "Hey, ladies, I'm Samson." Yeah, but like the <laughs> sex part of it would be like, "No, no, you're not allowed here." I think the crucified Lord on a cross. That no one's gonna dress terrible. up as the. Oh people my god! Do it. Oh. They, they probably do it. Yeah. 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 Okay. I would say Jonah would be hard because you know you have to. Like, whales like- are heavy. Yeah. Well, plus you, you smell yeah. like fish throw up and oh. you know, whale vomit. And, you can pass you know. out fish sticks to everybody. <laughs> uh, who's go- who's going to be the one who's Hosea? Like, hey, hey, where's where? No, where's, Ryan, no, wife? no, where's no, my, no. Where'd she go? There she is. That guy's got oh. jokes all night long. Another one would be Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> you know, when he goes all ape shit crazy. Yeah. And like, you know, grows out his, uh, his fingernails and eats grass. Yeah. 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 Daniel in the lion's den, like vicious. Though you could like sew baby like stuffed lions all I over was your say, body. You would like that because you would just get a bunch of cats. And you would- <laughs> I'm not that kind of cat lady. <laughs> so 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 you become what- the crazy cat lady for Halloween. I know, you know, you love your cats, so that'd be actually a, that'd be a great costume. So for you. so I don't I, think I'm they'd a- love that. So on the lines of. Jeff, would Daniel be considered the first crazy cat person? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, but he's totally flipping the social roles as crazy cat man. That's why I said cat person. Yes. Do we have any Buddhist uh, costumes that would be difficult? Any people or things or... Nothing that is going to be as relevant and hilarious to everybody else. So I'm going to beg off on that one. Like a toothpick skinny kid trying to go as the Buddha, man. Like that would be the was a toothpick lot of skinny. weight to carry around. Yeah, for, the Buddha was toothpick skinny. He was skinny. People yeah. would want to do I know, the but the traditional Halloween. image of the Buddha That's is. That's the Buddha right? Maitreya, who is the future Buddha. He mm-hmm. is not the historical Buddha. Mm-hmm. So. And now getting back to Halloween, we're talking about the yes. devil's religion. Yeah. The <laughs> oh, Buddha, oh, the Buddha statues. You got to carry so. around that pokey thing. Oh, that's. Yeah. We're really not editing we're not this. Editing this right. <laughs> right. So, but this, so Diana, you, but your comment does bring me back to Halloween. As somebody who grew up in more of a conservative household, my my family they let they allowed it. They, uh, t- they allowed us to trick or treat. But I will I will say that somebody in my family. Gave me a dollar if I would not trick or treat, and told me why the holiday was satanic, full of uh, demonic activity and, and darkness. So that's why I, I was just joking, because you know, B- Buddhism would have been dark too back in the day. <laughs> right? You accepted yeah. a dollar over a bag full of candy? Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, a dollar what, was a what? lot in the er, in the early '80s, Jeff. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was like ten dollars today for a kid. You can get a lot of candy. Penny candy? <laughs> yeah, but I only did that a couple times. Uh, yeah, but a but couple times. Like he didn't learn his lesson the first time. But here's the thing, Jeff. It was it wasn't so much about the dollar. While that was nice, it was about the higher calling to the Lord in righteousness. <laughs> and I really did believe at the time as a child that I was not only just listening to somebody in my family, but doing what God intended for me to live in the light and not in the darkness. Did you mm-hmm. really? I yes, this is a true story. This is true. <laughs> Anybody yeah. else have anything like that growing up? Well, I, I kind of, <laughs> so I, I kind of saw both sides of Jeff and Ryan. Um, I grew up 
going trick-or-treating and everything like that, um, dressing up and getting the candy and everything like that. And then um, when I grew older, I was then starting to see the the Christian books of why you don't celebrate or why we don't go trick-or-treating or, you know, you'd have the families be like, well, we're not trick-or-treating this year. You know, we don't believe in trick-or-treating. And so it's kind of like the dichotomy of, of people going trick-or-treating and celebrating Halloween, you know, because of the holiday and then why people don't celebrate it. So that's kind of like why I wrote this was to create the big debate of, you know, why should we celebrate it? Why should we not celebrate it? And what's the harm of cosplaying for one night and going door to door asking for candy? Cosplay means costume. <laughs> Here's a bit of a break, everybody. A little monster mash break, if you will. So we're going to fill up our drinks with some pump action from Four Noses right now. Woo! Good stuff. Thanks, Janelle. You're welcome. Thank you, Four Noses. Supposed to answer if we're Thanks again to Janelle for bringing the delicious Four Noses. And we're going to move on. Going to try to be serious in the midst of our pump action. And talking about celebrating Halloween and its origins, remembering the dead, Dia de los Muertos confronting the concept of death with humor. That's why we're laughing, being playful, it's, it's fun. So how do y'all feel about death? And then do you have traditions about remembering the death with humor or even not non-humor? And then how do you feel about that? Do you have traditions? Uh, what are they? What do you think? Of, and then we'll move on to the afterlife if we have a rabbit hole trail to go down. I know. Now we're talking about death. Like, yeah, this is real, guys. It's no longer just trick or treating. And Jeff looks at the moon. super serious right now. <laughs> He's ready to get into some stuff. What? Oh, uh, okay. You're um, the one who started this fool, so you need to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, you know, I think in the, I think the, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is um, typically uh, when we go to, you know, funerals or wakes or uh memorial services you know there's the idea of you know of remembering a specific person's life um i think that there's something valuable to the idea of uh, uh dia de los muertos and um and even the idea of all saints day you know of um setting aside a day each year to um to just sort of contemplate the people, uh, either our heroes. I mean, we definitely do this for cultural heroes. I mean, we have President's Day. We have Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And I mean, yeah, um, you know, supposedly we're celebrating their birthday. But really, we are remembering, you know, the life and the value of their life in our culture. So it's definitely a cultural thing, but I think it can also be very much of a personal thing. And it's certainly not something that I've grown up with or even practiced, but I, I just see the value in it. Yeah, I think it's interesting that um, as much time as Christians spend focused on the end of the world, the end times, we don't, in 
evangelical Christianity, we don't do anything with death. We don't do anything to remember those that have gone before. I mean, maybe there might be. Do you, did you have the slideshows on Memorial Day with, like, people's names that had passed? That was the most, I think, that we ever did. Um, so this was this has been pretty outside my experience of what it means, and it really was. I'm not making fun, like, watching the Book of Life and then Coco and seeing what those traditions can include and, and what they mean to the families and what they mean to the individuals really helped me understand a lot more about the celebrations that were taking place. Um, we, I have been at a Lutheran church where we do do All Saints Day and um, they have like a book of the dead and you can put their names in and we chant their names in memory of them. Um, and you could bring like little memorials, like little boxes or pictures or something and, and remember that person and share it with people. So that was, that was really nice. But it's something that's only happened to me later in life. So I'm wondering if, if it's the tradition that says, I'll fly away, oh glory, they're in a better place. Uh, let's not uh, remember them for who they were here because they're out in you know, Jesus land or wherever that is. And so the emphasis is so strong about, about the afterlife that any, any kind of thoughts about conjuring up those memories, it makes you idolize that person back on earth. And that's, that's a, I, th I think that's a reason why most, I would say, evangelical conservatives don't do that. And if they do, it's, it's, it's almost like you're, I don't know, like drinking for the first time without your parents knowing, you know, you're really like, you're like, am I conjuring up the dead? Am I like, you know, am I talking to ghosts? And that's like another realm. And I think that's another fear too, yeah. that people would do that. So I kind of, um, I grew up as a pastor's grandkid and I basically grew up, I felt like I grew up around death, um, because he was a pastor of a older congregation. So there would be a lot of times where he would go to a funeral or he'd have to, you know, perform a funeral and, you know, Hey, Christina, I'm going to brother so-and-so's funeral or sister so-and-so. Do you want to go? And you know, me and five or six. Yeah, sure. I'll go granddaddy. And you know, I'd get my dress on and we'd go to the funeral home or the, the church or wherever. And he would, you know, perform the funeral. So, you know, I, now that I'm older, though, I kind of like, again, it's a dichotomy because I am a Christian and I still do believe that once I, you know, once I'm dead, I've, I'm already in the presence of God, you know, but what's going to happen like when I'm not here? And that's what kind of like freaks me out and scares yeah. me because like I don't have kids. I probably won't have kids. And especially with, like, the Dia de los Muertos and, like, it really struck a chord in me with Coco that, like, once you're, once people stop remembering you, your soul is dead. And you are dead. And that kind of freaks me out, you know, that who is going to carry on my memory. Right. Totally resonate with you on that. Completely. Um, but that's still not a reason to have a kid, in my opinion. <laughs> and I don't think you would think so either. So, but it is weird. Like if that's the, the mythology around it, what does it mean if you don't have family after you leave? I just, 
That's a good question. It's, you know, I think we'll be pondering that for a long time. Yep. Because there are, there are a lot of people that leave this planet with no family. And so it's not like a, a it's not a random question. It's not a meaningless question. It's it's relevant to many people's lives. What does it mean when I'm gone? If there's no one that's like, I, strong word, forced to remember me, um, then what happens? That's that's really tough. Well, so I, I wonder too, though, I mean, it's uh, De los Muertos uh, is um, obviously, you know, Spanish for Day of the Dead and um, and uh, it is a holiday, pri- you know, celebrated primarily in uh, Latin American countries. And um, Latin American countries do have that influence of, you know, Catholicism and um, um, that kind of. And so it makes me wonder with re- I haven't seen the movie Coco. I, under- I understand a little bit of the plot from. Um, what Christina has told me, um, but um, I, it makes me wonder if they have this, you know, if pressed on the theology of it, if they have this sort of theology that while you may not have someone living who remembers you, there's always God who remembers you and thus your soul continues to live on, um, you know, into perpetuity, etc. Well, and it may have been because it predated Catholicism, the celebration itself. So, I mean, a lot of these may come from just the society, like the community units were a lot smaller. So probably that wasn't even an issue. Like your community is going to remember you regardless because you're part of that. So... I think I wonder if that's more of a modern concern with people. What if I don't have anybody to remember me? Because if you had a smaller community, you would have people who would like you were part of that anyway. But now it's like we are so separated from specific communities that there's the likelihood of us being forgotten because we didn't have children or because we weren't part of that community is it's a bigger deal to us, whereas it might not have even been a thought to people back then because you knew everybody. So you knew how we were connected. And The other side to that so, coin being that the likelihood of being forgotten, mm-hmm. like you said, but the importance of being remembered for all of eternity mm-hmm. maybe was not as dire to um a well, different the world culture. was a lot smaller. Right. Like, and you only knew about certain parts of the world. And so, like, this idea that my name needs to be remembered amongst 8 billion people, like, that, that's pretty intimidating. Where mm-hmm. if your whole world was 30 or 100 or 500 people, mm-hmm. like, it, that, you know that someone's going to remember you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it may be changes of population and culture, too, that have that bring this kind of angst with it. Mm-hmm. Well, so what I was thinking, though, was more along the lines of, like, many, many generations down the line, you know? Um, like, even in smaller cultures, you know, how many generations back can we really remember someone, you know? I mean, both now, but even in those smaller cultures, how many generations, you know, could they remember someone 
from 20 generations back? Could they really remember? Maybe they could recognize the name, but could they really yeah. remember that person from 20 generations? But maybe someone in that sort of culture from his, historically wouldn't have said that was, I don't need to be remembered for 20 generations. You know, I don't know who they are. They won't know who I am. Well, maybe so there's just an assumption that I'm part of that lineage or whatever, so I will vaguely be remembered. Although I've always thought that was kind of a weird thing anyway. Like, your life is a half-truth the second you die. So, like, what is it that people are so stuck on about being remembered? Like, what is it that, may, like, it's never made sense to me, so I don't, like, what is it about, like, what do you want to hang on and yeah how long do you want to hang on for because I don't know maybe it's just being a minister I've officiated many many funerals and I'm like yeah maybe that was kind of that guy but the memories are so specific to the individuals that knew that person too so again your life is kind of a half truth after you die so is it really like what are you attached to that you think is going to hang on that's so important after you die that people are like you know to the point where they do worry about will i be remembered or not kind of thing in that regard i've never been to a funeral where someone's pulled out a person's rap sheet and right read exactly that. like that guy was a real piece of shit but we have to be here for the funeral like that has never i've never seen that i've seen it happen at the receptions afterwards but never at the funeral itself so so then what are what are we really remembering if you say these are half truths of our lives what is what about that half is is critical it's imperative for civilization and for the environment because if it's all interconnected i would believe that parts of our story really i would think that they would matter Mm -hmm. and when we say tell these stories talk to your grandkids about their grandparents and i mean i I think that there's an element of that that it needs to happen but we also don't want to live in fairyland mm-hmm. either so how how, do, how would you go about doing that in a healthy way do you tell your your kids do you, or uh whomever the the, the truth mm-hmm. all, all of the truth everything yeah well i'm sure at some point you know it depends like you said on what parts are important because mm-hmm. we I mean, we do funeral services, but we also do like series of memorial services afterwards to get the family back together, to remember the person who had gone, but also to kind of, I mean, you know, because the memories are going to change and the grief doesn't. You're still sad this person is gone and, you know, you still, so there, I think it just depends on what is important and when is when it's important you know so you may not right after somebody dies tell your kid that whomever was a real piece of garbage but if it becomes a thing then maybe it's more relevant like I am behaving this way because of the influence of this person or whatever and then yeah but if it's not my thought on Ryan's question is getting Get in your kid's face from the time they understand language. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's Jeff. why they don't have kids. <laughs> so that is why I won't have kids. Yeah. And this is why Jeff will not babysit my kids without Christina around. 
Aunt and Tina. Aunt yeah, Tina yeah. will. Christine, I trust you. This guy. No, no, no. <laughs> so uh, life is meaningless. <laughs> wow, we're taking a dark. <laughs> this is dark. Well, maybe, maybe this is why it, it, it talks about play and fun and humor, because humans, we just we need that. We we can't live in the dark night of the soul. Yeah. Because it, life's already pretty bad at times. I mean, most people are half. The glass is half. Right now, my glass is almost empty, but literally. <laughs> but I mean, the glass is half empty for a lot of people. We say it's half full. Even optimists and even people who are hope filled. I think we conjure up this idea of hope at, at times. And, and I, w- I would be somebody, in, you know, Janelle, we talk about this a lot because we laugh a lot about our personalities. Uh, but even those like myself, like, we, we realize reality can bite. Yes, Ethan Hawke, it can. <laughs> so anyway, humor, playfulness. There's a reason why I love comedies, probably. It keeps it light. If I'm watching Ozark for the two seasons straight that I did for two weeks straight. I need to watch, watch some Shit's Creek, which I, which I did last night. Fantastic <laughs> show. So when it comes to the dead, I mean, it's the same thing. You Game gotta, of Thrones, man. Do not binge watch <laughs> no. five seasons in one summer. <laughs> no. beer. Uh, so we're taking pictures of beer right now. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Chanel's has a um, smiley face in it. It's, it's adorable. The, oh, the, the beer made us smile. It's the great pumpkin. The great pumpkin beer, Charlie Brown. <laughs> so any other thoughts on things that you actually actively do with uh, deceased relatives, people, friends? So someone, the first time we talked about this... Um, brought up a really good point and i think we should i that we should i i want to try to carry it on especially um with my other side of grandparents my grandmother's a huge photographer is just going through old pictures you know just and documenting okay who is in this picture you know because when she dies you know we're gonna have to clean up the house and then we're going to have all these pictures. And if you don't know who those people are, you know, you're going to feel guilty of like, you know, grandma kept this around for some odd reason. And it's, you know, it's someone important, you know, whether it's, you know, a family person or who knows. And, you know, if I can't pass that information on as to, hey, this is your, you know, my great, great, great grandmother you know, your great, 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 you know, whatever, right. whatever the family member is, it, they, we lose that. Mm-hmm. So then by the time they grow up, they're going to be like even more lost and be like, I have no clue who this person is. And then they're just going to throw the pictures out. So maybe that's where you start is just, you know, getting with your elders mm-hmm. and just maybe just reminiscing through pictures and just documenting stuff. Yeah, that's a good thing. I I had uh, my grandmother. She was my the r- most recent person in my family that died, and I think it's it's the year the year of is always tough. You know, I had a, a friend die a couple years ago in his forties. It's different when you have somebody in their forties and then somebody who's lived uh, nine decades into their nineties. Um, so, yeah, that first year is critical. But then, like, like Jeff, you were saying, twenty, you know, twenty generations <laughs> pass and. 
to keep that alive, thank goodness we have social media and Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> you know, well, at least we can say, "Oh, my!" You know, the pictures disintegrated. No, they're not. They're eternally archived yeah. now, forever. I'm, Ryan so believes <laughs> that Facebook is still going to be around in two hundred years. I do. It's the empire of Zuckerberg. It's yeah. going to continue. I, you know, I'm reminded of um, that meme going around where it's the two pictures. And, like, it's the old black and white of, like, hey, you know, 20 years ago, hey, I found a picture of your great-grandma, you know, and it's, you know, this lovely person in black and white, and she's all dressed up and very, you know, formal and everything like that. And then right below it is the person with the duck face, you know, kind of like Miley Cyrus. And then 20 years later, hey, look, I found a picture of your grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Why is she wearing Daisy Dukes? It's funny about that. My grandma was wearing Daisy Dukes in her 70s. Rode a Harley when she was 85. She would have gone skydiving, but she had a a bad ticker. So, you know, the doctor said, no, no. But it's, you know, it's like, it's, there's something about, yeah. I mean, Caroline even will never really know my grandma, but we have a book and it's called Just Grammy. And uh, Grammy, my, that's, Becky, Becky Murray, there you are. She's online right now forever, Jeff, right now on Podbean. Podbean, you should never go out of existence. So Becky Fisher Murray, and I sat down with her, gosh, this was like 10 years ago, and we just started on my laptop. We wrote out all of her stories, and now we have a little picture book that she and I, you know, I just wrote it, and she told me stories. And so hopefully that can continue. That was, um, that's something that we did. I don't know. I, the idea of like lighting candles and doing offerings, like it says here on Dio de los Muertos, it could be helpful, but like whatever works for you to keep that tradition alive, to keep your family, knowing that your family legacy is there, but to, to make it meaningful for your kids and your friends and your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we do a similar thing. Um, in usually it's in the middle of july same kind of thing we have services out at the cemeteries people clean up graves and the service is based around mostly the people who died in the last year but um just celebrating the people who have gone before us just in general and in terms of play, we actually, as part of this particular observance, we have, um, it's like a community dance, basically. We go out into the street and we put on, you know, many of the women put on like colorful kimono and all that kind of thing. And we just do folk dances and um, it's not specifically Jodo Shinshu, more Japanese cultural kind of thing, but at a lot of these celebrations, um, particularly if you're living on a coast, you do this, and then at the end of the evening, you have little boats with candles in them that you send back because the dance is essentially welcoming everybody back to participate with you, and then at the end of the evening, you're sending them back to the Western That's Shore. Cool. Yeah, so... Yeah, so it's yeah, it's nice because it is that sort of balance of you know the morning part, but then also the celebration part, and it's um, especially for the Buddhist part of it, it's a good reminder to us that this is just this is exactly what being human is. That even in our grief, 
I have heard some of the funniest stories on the planet when I've done like deathbed services for people or after funerals when they're telling me about their relatives and stuff. So it's just a reminder to us of impermanence, but also of that interconnectedness that like because of all these folk who went before, we are right here and who we are now. And they were human too. So let's talk about them. Let's laugh. Let's cry. Let's do what we need to do as people to kind of get us through this or remember them. So that's awesome. So let's do that. Let's take five minutes and do that. What's a a story you want to share of someone that you remember that you carry? So my grandfather apps on my dad's side uh, writes ridiculously funny poetry. Like, (laughs) Up until he passed away in his 90s, he could write the funniest poems you've ever heard. Okay, I'm going to say um, my uh, grandpa, Rayshaw, Grandpa Dwayne, um, he was a ham radio operator. Oh. So um, I remember it wasn't built when I was when I was alive. Um but there was pictures of a huge radio tower um, in the backyard that he had built by himself just so he could talk to missionaries from around the world and talk with them over CB and everything like that. Cool. So that, that was really interesting. Also, he was a roller skater person. So, but, but not like the 70s, like the disco and everything like that. No, he actually like would take roller skating lessons and do like waltzes and all that stuff and it was really interesting so i love you grandpa rachel um so for me actually i'll say i hope my uh family never listens to this podcast specifically because uh all of my grandparents have passed away but i have never really had an emotional connection a deep emotional connection to uh to any of them um, one of the hardest deaths for me in my life was someone who was a public figure. Uh, it was actually Robin Williams, um, and his death, oddly enough, affected me probably more than any of my grandparents. And just because I think um, his public persona had such a um, deep impact on me throughout my life. I grew up... Um, in the late 70s, you know, watching Mork and Mindy and uh, following his, you know, comedic movies all the way into his serious roles. I remember I remember one of the um, one of the uh, strangest moments was um, in whatever year that movie Goodwill Hunting came out. Um, I wasn't able to go back and visit my family for Christmas. Um, and didn't really have people uh, in uh, the town I lived to uh, spend that with. So I went to a movie on Christmas. Didn't have any idea what I was going to see. Um, didn't even know the movie Goodwill Hunting. Hadn't heard of it. Just bought a ticket and went in. And it was... <laughs> the film sort of created family for me um, that year. Um, so anyways, when he, um, when he passed away, um, a few years back, like I said, probably harder than, um, losing any 
actual blood relative that I've had. So it was 11 years ago, the season, and it was my dad's father, my grandpa, Peepaw, and I I did his graveside service, and then his service, um, his uh, funeral, I talked about saints and sinners before that became a popular, cool thing, <laughs> because, you know, and people laughed about that, because, like, you know, ah, Peepaw's not a saint, you know, he's not a sinner either, but I'm like, you know, I think that's kind of who we all are, and I, I look at what happened to you know, he was he was in his later, you know, 80s, and so it's not like it was, he was taken early, uh, but it still affected my father. And then I think in that moment, as a young adult, I became more of this, more aware of life and the shortness of it all and, and what it does to your parents and realizing, okay, they're next and then you're next and so forth. And while that can lead to nihilism and <laughs> some, some pretty uh, dark thoughts, it can also just lead to um, what do you do with saints and sinners and... Uh, and this, this guy, oh my goodness, Bill, Bill Miller, Bill, by the way, Bill Miller's barbecue is a big thing in Texas. No relation, by the way, no relation, <laughs> but Bill Miller could tell stories. Jeff, he talked longer than you. I'm just saying, <laughs> if we said, if we, if we said, here's let's do an introduction for the podcast. He would still be talking at minute 44 right now. And we would say, the thing is Bill, I wouldn't say that, but the adults, you know, around the, day, the thing is Bill. But he, he wrote these stories about his uh, his war stories in, in Korea, and he would talk about the size of the bullets, like within like paragraphs in these very, like, who has time for that anymore? But you look at guys like that who are storytellers, and I go, you know what, maybe, maybe the world is missing these saint sinners who are storytellers. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, there's so many things about his life that, like, were so different in so many ways. Like, he was a Toro man and a handyman. And I, I, I do love working out in the yard, but I'm not a, a Toro man, handyman at all. My dad has a little bit of that. And I think it's like, as the generations go on, maybe it'll, it'll flip and it'll go back the other way. Hopefully for <laughs> my daughters, we'll have some handy skills. Um, but yeah, the storytelling, I think it's something that um, it's a lost art in our society. And it could be because we're ADHD and we're all driven by social media. We don't, we don't put our phones down long enough. <clears throat> to have had those conversations. And I, I'm guilty too. Um, I, I, how often do I look at my phone throughout the day? Too much. I was actually at a South High Halloween event tonight and looking around at all these high schoolers putting on this festival for these little kids. And it was super cute and fun and music and the costumes and all the candy. But you know what those students were doing as they were helping out with the kids? They were on their phones the whole time. And I'm like, oh my goodness, maybe we won't have storytellers. Or they're going to be really short stories. <laughs> they're all <laughs> emojis. They're all going to be tweets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, gra- some people call him Grandpa Bill. He was people to me, so Bill Miller. And then the next will be, you know, be my dad. So, yeah. All right, we are at minute 46. Do we want to uh, keep going? Do we want to yeah. stop? What do we want to do here? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. What do you want to talk about? We've got, we can go back to Halloween. We can talk about guising, souling, mumming. I've never done those things. <laughs> Anybody? Guy, I, I, I think we need to go back. I think we should do number two. The, let's, let's get into this big debate of why Halloween yep. and why not Halloween. Yeah, and I, and I do. Let's go, let's go back to the defense of the conservative evangelical. Janelle, you heard this last week. We were at the same table. And this is rare. Janelle and I, by the way, are never at the same table. And it happened two weeks in a row. 
So one, the fact that it happened, and then it happened two weeks in a row, and now we're at it three weeks at the <laughs> podcast. So there's that. Uh, I, I, I will, I'm going to play devil's advocate right now. The conservative background that I had, to which I do love and I appreciate. Where's your pointy headband? Well, <laughs> 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 who's so there was the element of darkness and deceit. Okay. And there's, there's this, uh, the intuitive discerning spirit within that world that said, if you allow, let's say kids to trick or treat, innocent, super innocent, Harry Potter, again, super innocent, all these things. But it's, again, it's the trickery of the evil one. This would be the Satan. Or I mean, if you don't even believe in the Satan, it could be aspects of the darkness that are not godly, that they can bring children, young people, people who are susceptible and vulnerable and all these things into the darkness. And so I, I want to play devil's advocate again and wonder, is there some truth in that statement at, as this big debate that we're bringing up? Why Christians and some people of other traditions do not celebrate Halloween for the reasons of darkness? Who who still thinks that's crazy? <laughs> I don't know that um, I'm going to buy into it. That just participating is going to send your kid on some dark path. I mean, more goes on in sleepovers than goes on on Halloween, where you're exposed to things that are not good. Um, I think for me, and this may just be my own um, preferences, but I, I think for me, I really don't like the violence and the scaring for the sake of hurting someone or making someone be very afraid. That really bothers me that we, especially I think the more that we're living in a state of fear right now and seeing that play out in our culture um, that piece of Halloween where it's evil for the sake of fear and, um, upset and all of that. I think that, that can become a mindset that can become something that you, um, start to focus on. But, but I also know, like, I'm going to, like, I know people that love that stuff. They love horror movies. They love going to these kind of scary houses. And for them, it's nothing more than entertainment. I don't have the right personality to filter that way. And that may be part of it too. Um, I think we just have to be thoughtful about how we talk about it and what we mean. Um, I think it's really interesting that so many churches do fall festivals um, or like harvest celebrations and don't realize that like you're actually referencing what these celebrations actually were. And their their uh, secular roots were harvest and all of that. And so in trying to get away from what we perceive as evil, we go back to something that predates what we now believe. That's just really interesting to me. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's also what, how do you approach the thing? Like if you want to find that, you can find that. And that's, that's just, just talk to evangelicals that were raised in the 90s if you want to find evil and fear and be afraid of every corner you can find it is it real i don't know but it's out there if if you want to find it i guess 
I was going to say that I my initial reaction um, typically is that, you know, what is a thought or what is an experience, you know, an experience isn't going to, you know, um, an experience like watching a scary movie or participating in a festival isn't going to, you know, damage someone that that much. Um, but uh, I, as I think deeper about it, I realize my own tendencies, um, my own even maybe mystis, mystical uh, ideas of, I mean, to go to an extreme, um, you know, I would not feel comfortable at all participating in a um, service in a satanic church. That would make me extremely uncomfortable. Um, do I think any word that they are saying in the English language is going to, you know, put me in a trance? No, I don't. But it still feels wrong to me. There's yeah. something that feels weird about it. I mean, but but not just to that extreme because I, um, I remember um, actually three or four years ago, um, I was at a Halloween party and some people were um, playing around with a, with a tarot deck and it felt not positive to me, I guess. It, it felt, it made me uncomfortable. So I, you know, I moved to another room and, and uh, so at this point, you know, when I think about it in that light, I just wonder how much, uh, I think the, to, to me, there has to be some boundary. Like, like you can't be like, you know, I'm not going to let my child walk, you know, watch Scooby-Doo because, you know, the image of a ghost might, you know, scar them forever. But at the same time, I don't want to say, well, I'm the one who's rational, so I have the boundary set and everyone should follow my boundary. Um, I think there's a place to be respectful of everyone's boundaries. As long as they're reasonable. What is reasonable, though? One of the uh, one of the other things I've been kind of learning more about is just, um, and and this will irritate more conservative listeners probably, but just the feminine roots of some of these symbols that are there. A witch is actually one, never how it's portrayed. Off, not usually how it's portrayed. It's often just a symbol of the feminine power that exists in the world that often comes out of childbirth, the ability to bring life, uh, fertility, which has a lot to do with often feminine symbols. And so by demonizing this, this kind of stuff in Halloween, well, don't be a witch. Don't, don't do those things. Um, there's also some oppression there. There's some patriarchy and, I mean, those very kind of systemic things um, because the witch is seen as a powerful symbol of like someone that can do something that you can't stop, um, that can affect others from afar. Not making any claims on truth or falseness of that, but just that this is a woman that doesn't answer to the men that are around. And I think that whether or not we would consciously say that in today's world those things definitely stem out of that. 
um, a lot of the stuff we know about the pilgrims and we've all read the scarlet letter in school and we all know about what those witch hunts were like that uh, from everything that we're uncovering in historical studies it has so much more to do with women that were just strong leaders and powerful in their communities and a whole lot less to do with mysterious mysterious things that were happening around them um, and so I think it's it's important to be honest about that that there is that kind of oppressive element um, and we see it also in excitement around co costumes that are inappropriate when white people try to be black or we take on symbols that aren't ours we need to be really careful and thoughtful about that and what does that mean because we can honor things in in putting them in costume and we can also detract from them and make fun of them and that's a line i think that's a more important line to think about than am i going to be possessed because i walked past a kid dressed as a ghost like, there's way more important things to be thinking about. So what are these important things that we should be thinking about right now? As it, you know, as it pertains to the Day of the Dead, All Saints Day, Halloween, darkness, all that. It's, it's, that, it's a season. It's a season of, yeah. I mean, we're about to have a time change here. In a few days. That's the real darkness. Yeah. <laughs> the winter solstice is upon us. I'm sorry, parents. Yeah. Uh, what, so what are the important things to focus on right now to kind of in this conversation? And we're not going to wrap it up in a bow, but I'm just kind of curious. Harvest season's at the end. Winter solstice is coming. We know what, you know, we got, we got Christmas and Hanukkah and all those things. But um, when it comes to the seasons and what it does to, to ourselves, I, just just as a little hint, next week is uh, election day. So here's your reminder to go vote. Uh, go vote. Speaking of darkness. There it is. Darkness. <laughs> 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 Can't wait to stop getting all those goddamn flyers. Anything, like you were saying, important things to focus on right now this during this specific season. This is a, this is a bit of a not soapbox, by the way. This would be a... Um, uh, just just a box. No soap. There's no soap on this box. Can it be a candy box? How about that? <laughs> candy box. <laughs> I don't know. Just probably just because we're we're in a season of death. You know, everything is, you know, it's harvest season. Yep. Things are dying. You know, the grass is, you know, dying. The See, that leaves makes me are sad. changing. Don't talk about my grass dying. Keep talking, sorry. But some of that can depressed. actually be viewed in a positive way. I mean, how many times do we all get in our cars and drive up to, you know, well, wherever the foliage in your area is to watch the, you know, the Leaf leaves turn? Well, the your area essence of that. She lives in Broomfield. I'm saying that <laughs> I'm saying there might be people from New Jersey listening to this podcast and they don't drive up to Colorado Mountains during the fall. Why not? True. All right. So, uh, Christina, as you they as you, sorry, you were saying something about the, the, the grass and Jeff and I hijacked you. Sorry. So I, th I think it's just like this, this kind of this season of dying and kind of remembrance of, yeah. you know, of of. Yeah. Of this past year of. You know, the summer's dying and going away and now we're changing focus to to winter and, you know, everything's going to be cold and dormant. And so that's 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 would be my. Well, and I think along with that, just we are this is kind of the beginning of the holiday movement. And so for many people like this, 
this may bring up memories for them. Maybe it maybe Halloween itself doesn't, but they're going to be remembering the people that they loved as we go into Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so just being present for our neighbors and loving them well and noticing if they're getting quiet or they're pulling away and saying, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Is there something you'd like to talk about? And just being present. And and it's very hard. People pull away this time of year. When school school year hits and the you know the the seasons change, it gets dark. People are. I mean, in the summertime, everybody's outside. You see right. neighbors all the time. So people pull away for the holidays. They also pull away just naturally. So I mean, what if there's a way for us to say it's it's okay to pull away? Be intentional if you can. Would you can grab somebody? Like don't like you know, run run at them as they're going into the door. You know, coming into right. work and they're stressed. But. Uh, Realizing that there's there's a there's a death in the seasons, but there's also a death in the self that needs to recognize like you. I mean, this is this is every religion right here. I mean, right? Unless right. a kernel light falls to the ground and dies, um, so it's going to remain only a seed. You have to, there's there's that rebirth process in order for life to to come back up. You have to die. So Americans don't like to die. We don't like to die to ourselves. We don't like mm-hmm. to die to seasons. We like so that. I think that's why the holidays are always so festive and bright and colorful. It's depressing when January rolls around. Well, and I, you just triggered something like we always make New Year's resolutions about what's going to become new, but we don't do anything to prepare for what we're letting die in our in our lives. I mean, I think yep. there's there's preparation to acknowledge that if I'm going to really actually try to be a more positive person, then I need to bury and put away those negative habits before I try keeping this commitment in January. Like, and so what does it mean? Just like what you said, Christina, this, it's going dormant. It's, it's gonna, Mm -hmm. gonna, things are gonna die and change what they look like. And so what does it mean for us to do a little self-examination and say, okay, what's something that I haven't loved about myself in this last year and start saying goodbye to that thing so that when the new year comes, we can birth it into something else or just even be more honest about it as we move into the new year. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, all this is good to celebrate what, uh, what was good in the last year. Like, thank you for the pumpkin beer. Yeah. Thank you for the parties. Thank you for that. We were outside. The weather was great. We had a lot of good patio beers, good conversations, Mm -hmm. but now, Hey, now I'm inside. It's a little depressing and that's okay. Let yourself move into your thoughts of it. It's snowing. It is snowing in Denver right now. It was terrible driving here. <laughs> Horrible. But it's okay because by, you know, like two days from now, it's going to be sunny. and Tomorrow. Are, this is the problem with Denver. It messes with the seasons. <laughs> our winter becomes 70 degrees. Oh, wait. I just I, I just allowed the world to hear our secret. I know. More people are going to move here because I said that. Uh-huh. Don't. Don't. We're full. <laughs> no vacancy. All right. Uh, we are at an hour. That was fun. Yeah. But before we go. Uh-oh. There's an important thing that we need to tell our listeners. That's right. And um, it's just a little Michael Jackson. <laughs> because today, if you're uploading this podcast right now, it's Halloween. And you got to get your thriller on. Oh! you got to get your, your costume on, your candy on. Makeup. All that stuff. Because it's about playfulness. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.
Okay. Now listen. Will Smith here. <laughs> no. Do you remember the song Jazzy, Je- Jazzy Jeff and Will? You know. There we go. Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, by the way, share this online. Whether you liked it or you didn't like it, rate it, review it on iTunes. We're at Brew Theology on Facebook and Instagram, Brew underscore Theology on Twitter. BrewTheology.org, and we have the AAR pre-event happening, open and relational theology extravaganza. But guess what? It's full. Standing room only at this point. So get on the waiting list at our meetup. That's it.